Restoration Counseling Podcast. It's not for therapists, it's for everybody. I'm your host, professional counselor, Jared Pogue. Not everybody needs counseling, but certainly everybody needs a little help every now and again. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I'm glad to be here with you, uh, digitally speaking, of course. This week, I got a chance to interview not one, but two very authoritative people on the grand topic of maternal mental health. But first, I do feel the need to offer a bit of an overview before we jump in. First, you're going to hear the term perinatal thrown around in terms of mental health. And while we do give a definition for this term at the beginning of the episode, I think it's important to reiterate the fact that it's a very broad term that can be boiled down to any psychological struggle a mother or even a father faces post the birth of a child. Second, I've also broken this episode into two parts and will likely be doing another episode of the same vein due to the quality of this content and all that I've learned now due to this conversation. Third, please check the description of this episode either in our SoundCloud account, uh, the Restoration Counseling Podcast, or on iTunes for any of the resources mentioned in part one or part two. And finally, I do apologize. There is a bit of a recording issue towards the beginning of this episode. There is a slight buzzing in the audio that sticks around for maybe a minute or two. While I've worked to get rid of this, I can only muffle it somewhat. I can't make it completely go away. I do apologize about this, and in the future, you should not be expecting much of that. Today, I interview maternal mental health advocate Amy Korn, as well as professional counselor and maternal mental health specialist Debbie Turner, about the topic of maternal mental health, or perinatal counseling. This is a subject that has desperately needed great clarification, not only because of the large amount of misinformation out there, but also because the issue is not simply relegated to postpartum depression, another misunderstood term. Uh, This interview was incredibly clarifying for me, especially as someone who knew so little about the topic before being a part of this interview. I hope that even if this is not an issue that you yourself have ever struggled with, that you can pass this resource on to anyone who is dealing with this or has been dealing with this uh, at any time. As a parent, I know that there's no harder time in someone's life than that time of parenthood. With that said, please enjoy today's show. suffering with postpartum depression and anxiety and I focus on their emotional well-being so I work to get them resources and information and for whatever they might be suffering with how to get them the help that they need and I'm Debbie Turner I'm a therapist here at Restoration Counseling and um, I have been on this journey um, Amy has kind of helped me on this journey to really understanding 
what the needs are for moms um, in this time period that I was totally unaware of from my training that can be very, very common, you know, for moms that are pregnant or after birth and, you know, what that looks like, how to help them. And so we're working together to kind of build a support team in the area as much as we can for moms. You were using the term perinatal counseling for this. What's perinatal counseling? This is a, a term I, I struggled with all week even to try to get right at that. It's not prenatal. So I, I guess I'd love to hear from both of you what, what is perinatal counseling? What I would love ultimately from this, if it's possible, I'd like this to be kind of Debbie's thing, Debbie's deal, and I'd like to back, <laughs> because she, this is something I would love, you know, really to promote her work and her abilities, because she's fabulous, Yeah. and I want this to kind of be your, and I'm here as your wingman, so. <laughs> so you'll fill in the, the parts I leave Yes, <laughs> is that okay? I would yeah. love for Debbie to talk and get up, you know, her, because when people hear this and they say, this is a therapist that can really help me, this is someone who knows what I'm going through. Okay. And maybe I could be more of like helping point to the resources kind of thing. You okay with that? Yeah. Um, perinatal is, a, a, I have learned is a very confusing term because a lot of people are trying to figure out what this period of time does that encompass? You know, because the word peri means around. So, um, and natal is, you know, in the womb, you know, a new baby kind of term. So it is around the birth of a baby. So um, it can, um, and I think the intentionality for perinatal means that this can occur while pregnant, whereas the, um, the myth has always been that things like postpartum depression does not occur until after the baby's born, when in reality it can happen while the mom is pregnant. Um, so, um, but there is the misconception that um, it might include infertility stuff, which, um, you know, is not so much the focus. There are counselors that, that do include that, and yeah. definitely, you know, um, loss and, you know, things like that can be a part of some consequences that are like depression, um, grieving, those kind of things. Um, primarily, it's more about what happens while the mom's pregnant and then even any time after, up to a year afterwards, um, where these symptoms can occur. Um, and it doesn't necessarily happen ha have to happen right after the birth. It can happen, um, some moms, they're fine for six months after the birth, but then all of a sudden they are struggling with um, some of these symptoms, say at the six month mark. And for moms that are left undiagnosed, then it can go on for years. Yeah. No. So, um, another term that um, that any of these terms, another thing about these terms that get that can be confusing is that it's not just about moms; that dads can experience these symptoms too. Huh. In fact, isn't it one in dad, one, one in, ten, in ten fathers, one can, in ten experience fathers can experience depression. postpartum depression? Is this something that would come about because, especially for the fathers, is this something that would come about because of the, the child into the world? Or is this one of those times that depression would be already pre-existing and this just happens to trigger something that was there? Um, I would, from what I understand, it's more about circumstances. Okay. 
when it comes to the fathers especially, it's generally, and even with some of, you know, a good majority of the mothers, this is pregnancy-induced. It's because they've had a child, they've had a baby, and certainly postpartum de uh, depression in and of itself or anxiety are a risk factor. So let's say if a mom has ha had depression or anxiety before in her life, or of the father even, that's a risk factor. But a mom, you know, this is no respecter of persons. Mom can have five kids, be fine with the first four, and it hit with the last. Hmm. Or she has it, you know, with all three. Or she's fortunate enough and doesn't ever experience this at all. Hmm. So there's a lot of outside factors that play into it as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously if mom's at home and she's depressed and she doesn't know it and something's off or she's super anxious, that's going to affect the home in general. So children are going to feel that. The dad's mm -hmm. going to feel it. And there's a lot of pressure becoming a parent. And you can understand, like, the sleep deprivation is just insane. And you put all that into not knowing how to take care of a child, and especially if mom's had, like, injuries and she's she's getting well from those. Maybe it's a single mom. Mm -hmm. Maybe she doesn't have that support system. So there's a lot of other factors that play into it other than just pregnancy. But obviously we're talking about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. So yeah. what we do is based around the fact that she's had a baby. So another term that um, some professionals in this field have, you know, switched to is maternal mental health because that's a little clearer. Okay. But then even that term feels um, not the best because then it kind of leaves the dads out. So another term that some have tossed around is, you know, paternal mental or, or parental, excuse me, parental mental health, so because it, it can affect either parent. So I, I think there's sometimes a variety of terms that you might hear. Hmm. No, I, I, that's it's interesting. I, it sounds a little confusing mm -hmm. with all those terms thrown around, but I, I, essentially what I'm hearing from this is, is anyone involved in the sort of new life of a, of a child. Uh, Statistically, what I work with specifically does surround more of the mothers because it is more common in the mothers. Okay. I, I was trying to stay in the vein of the term, but there's a couple different areas we could go. Also, that there's more than just anxiety and depression. There's several other aspects that we can talk about, too. I, I do want to know about symptoms. You, you keep using the word symptoms. and I mean, words like anxiety and depression, though they're fairly commonplace now, I, I think there's a lot of sort of... I don't call it like a mysticism around the word, but just sort of an unclear sort of meaning. So, so when you're saying symptoms, what are you meaning? What are these symptoms in, in perinatal? Well, I think, uh, I think it's helpful to define what some of the different um, um, issues might be. So we have depression, we have anxiety, um, a mom can experience uh, OCD type symptoms, obsessive compulsive disorder type. Um, symptoms, um, there's um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder or type, you know, issues. Um, the one that is probably the most common that everyone sees on the news is, you know, the psychosis mom, um, which that yeah. represents such a small, small, small portion here. Yeah. You know, the mom so that has psych psychosis, she's like one in 1,000. Whereas the mom that has um, postpartum depression or anxiety, she's like one in seven. Wow, okay, yeah, significant difference. So as you're, as you're saying this, you know, one of the first things that's on my mind is uh, 
we are mental health professionals. We have some understanding of these, but but when you step outside of that realm and you are a parent and you're feeling down after having your first kid because of sleep deprivation, stress, chaos, I, I, I remember what it's like. It's not very hard to remember. Uh, how do you know when you've entered into depression lately? How do you know that it's not just the basic struggles of having a kid uh, in adjusting your life? That's an excellent question. And up to 80% of moms really face something called the baby blues. And most okay. people have heard of that. That's when mom comes home with a baby and she has just had that dramatic shift in hormones and chemicals in her body. She's just given birth to a human being, so yeah. she's exhausted. The sleep, like you mentioned, is just, you get no sleep. Yeah. And you, you, you put that on top of everything else and it just, it makes it worse. This is where they have those feelings of where they cry a lot and they feel like, wow, what have I done? I'm overwhelmed. This is just really a lot. But that in and of itself generally clears up in about two to three weeks. So those feelings of overwhelm that the mom and, and even the dad are just like, what have we done? That will clear itself up. When you go past that and we're into like weeks four, five, six, and mom is just really still struggling, mm. she might be crying a lot more than you would expect. And she might even be hiding that from you. So for no reason, she might be crying. She might start to develop feelings of um, hopelessness. Mm. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't do this. She might start also feeling hopeless. Like, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have even been a mom. Can I just have a do-over? Can I give the baby back? Mm. This is not something that I'm built to do. She, As far as this is depression, she might also start sleeping a lot or she may not sleep at all. Mm. Her eating habits, this is very similar to depression, but this really does revolve around the baby. key questions that's helpful to know the difference is when given the opportunity can mom sleep mm. so you know we all know that all mom, new moms are going to be sleep deprived yes. but given the opportunity can she can she go to sleep can she rest um, that sounds like it's entering into anxiety territory at that point what would be some of the specific anxieties that a new mom in this sort of uh, with this potential diagnosis here uh, what would be some of the anxieties and what would they do to her potentially? Well, um, interestingly enough, the anxiety can't even look like anger or rage, which isn't typical huh. for um, what we surprising. think about as anxiety, yeah. right? And um, it can include things like excessive what-if thoughts, just kind of a, a rumination, um, racing thoughts, um, shortness of breath, heart palpitations, which we do generally associate that with anxiety. So um, that can be um, part of the anxiety. Um, if you look at what the, the symptoms for that might be, that would be inclusive there. Anything and else? And when she's talking about the what if statements, that's literally like, what if the baby's not sleeping enough? What mm -hmm. if the baby's sleeping too much? 
And for moms especially, that breastfeed. Yeah. What if the baby's not getting enough milk? Because the mom can't see that. Like moms that bottle feed, you know exactly how much that baby's consumed. So if she's breastfeeding, it may be, am I providing enough for this baby? Um, a lot of times moms can be, um, they can worry about SIDS. What yeah. if, you know, what if the baby stops breathing during the middle of the night? What if, there's all these what ifs, almost danger type things that come into the to the situation, that hypervigilance, that you're always on guard. And when it goes outside of like your normal care for a mom, oh, is the bath water too hot? That's normal. Sure. Um, but when it starts to start consuming her and she starts redirecting her thoughts and her actions towards that, that's when it's moving outside the realm of, okay, mom, and this is not normal. These are common things for people who are experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety. But this is not normal. Give me an example of, of uh, something that might be not normal uh, that, you, that you tend to see fairly often. Okay. One of the things, especially moving into postpartum OCD, mm. obsessive compulsive disorders, what Debbie talked about earlier, is what we call intrusive thoughts. Okay. And that's a big term for scary or unwanted thoughts. And some moms can develop that to where they have thoughts around harm coming to the baby and or themselves or their loved ones and so um, a lot of times moms when they get around stairs will be they'll hold that baby a little extra tight because they might have a thought what if this baby falls down the stairs or they could take it a step further what if I throw this baby down the stairs mm, and okay. so those thoughts scare them and they're unwanted and that's why we call them scary thoughts because they instantly think oh my gosh why would I think that that's a terrible thought as a mother mm. or they have thoughts that revolve around bath time or things like that that cross over what we would consider a healthy thought mm. or there might be like a lot of um, repetitive behaviors to help minimize those intrusive thoughts mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know maybe mom is like you know trying to keep every single person from touching her baby mm -hmm. and you know doing some excessive you know hand washing and maybe house cleaning to a right, very, right. very uh, micro level right one of the issues that I suffered with was um, germs mm. like I was consumed with contamination and germ and this came out of nowhere like that was not how I was before but I just knew that every book, like people would give us books for babies. I would literally wash down the board books, like with, mm. you know, stuff. Any toys, even brand new, that were bought into the house, I, they had to be washed before the baby could touch them. I just always knew that something bad was going to happen as far as the baby coming in contact with a germ or something like that. So looking back, obviously, that's not normal and it's not healthy but at the time I just assumed that's what all moms did I was being a good mom mm. and didn't realize that it was not healthy it wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for my children it sounds like it, it really robbed you as, a, as I'm hearing about your personal story here it, it sounds like it really robbed you of the, the, the joy of being a mom and it you couldn't have said that any better and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do because mm. when I started to get well and I looked back there were a lot of sad times like there was not that that should be the most happy time for a mom and a dad bringing home that baby and I mean that's what we see on TV where especially when you know the delivery and that baby is put up on your chest and you hold it and you love it and the world is complete and 
that wasn't at all what I experienced and what a lot of moms experience. So looking back at like the first year just seems like a blur. And there are times when you look back and you say, it, it took that from me, that postpartum depression, the anxiety, it took that from me. And so now I try to get ahead of the game to provide the education for the moms and the providers so that those moms can be caught very early on where mm -hmm. I went undiagnosed for so long. But I want that to be a joyous time for a mom and a dad and, and them to love that experience. And I think part of this whole, when you talk about the symptoms, one of the other common symptoms is um, mom just really struggling to bond, which, you know, there's that mm -hmm. myth, right, that, you know, oh, you, it's just natural, it just happens. And it, it does often, but sometimes it doesn't. But that, you know, that's okay. That can be part of what, you know, what the mom is struggling with. And, and so then there's that guilt and shame of why do I not feel connected to this baby? Why do I, you know, one of the risk factors is um, infertility. Um, so a mom that's really gone through a lot of um, infertility treatments, they are at much greater risk for having some of these um, symptoms. And so then that compounds the guilt and shame because I worked so hard to have this baby and now I don't even feel connected to it in any way whatsoever. Um, and there can be anxiety around that. And that's kind of where in the beginning I was wanting to make sure we did touch back on that yeah. is that there can be a lot of anxiety that goes around infertility because you know all of a sudden there was this loss and then if the mother is fortunate enough to become pregnant again, there's the anxiety of, am I going to lose this one? What's going to happen? Um, you know, are we going to have to go through this again? And so their anxiety levels can really spike. And if not addressed or taken care of, that follows them into after the baby's here. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right in that, you know, infertility is definitely a risk factor. Maybe you can speak to that too from your experience, but my understanding of it is that it's just because the anxiety is so overwhelming that it comes out as, you know, ah. It's really funny because I had no idea of the rage. And even when I started educating myself about it and I started learning about it, we hear a lot about postpartum depression. Most people, and even listening to this, they'll be like, I've never heard of postpartum anxiety. I didn't know that was a real thing. That was a new term for me. Today. It was for me too. And so, but it was comforting to know that, oh, okay, there is a name for what I experienced. Mm -hmm. But even through like some of the moms when I got well and I started working with, it was a long time before people really started addressing the rage aspect. And I unfortunately did suffer with that. And what it looked like for me and a lot of moms is just what you said. There is an anger that wells up within you that is not like anything that's natural to you. Like your kid could spill a glass of milk and you just fly off the handle and you're like, I told you a million times not to do that. Why would you do that? Why didn't you listen? Yeah. And then later you're like, 
why did I overreact like that? And you have the guilt that comes along with that. But it's just like a progression, I feel like for me, that I was so consumed with the anxiety and the thoughts and the pressures of being a mother, going undiagnosed, and it was just an aspect for me of how my anxiety came about. Once I started learning about it and I realized that you know I wasn't a monster, that this was common, but it's treatable, and that's the underlying thing that I really wanna make sure we address here. Yeah. All of these are completely treatable with the right help and with the right processes, and some moms will need medication. Not everyone does, but there are some moms who will need that to get back on track. And so it's really embarrassing to tell someone that you have thoughts of like just shaking your child and just saying, shut up, stop screaming. Why can't you stop screaming? Or why can't you listen? Because that's not how a mom is supposed to treat her babies. And if we walked into preschool or daycare and we saw a teacher doing that, like we would rip that person's head off, right? But here I am as a mother or even a dad, because you can see it in dads too, that that anger that just comes out. And it's really hard to to talk about, but it's very real and it affects a lot of people. Another um, aspect of this that's very important to address too is the PTSD aspect. Mm. Um, those are when mom's having, you know, kind of a severe avoidance to anything that reminds her of the birth or you know, situations around the birth, she's having re, uh, she's re-experiencing traumatic events, flashbacks or flooding about perhaps, you know, the birth, um, and, you know, dad and everyone else may not even have perceived this as a traumatic event, but for a mom who was experiencing it herself and in a totally different position, when it happened, it you know, it's very subjective. It could have been totally traumatic for her, especially if she didn't know what was going on and everyone else did, but she didn't, you know, your mind Mm -hmm. can do a lot of things and you can think um, a lot more horrible things than what's actually happening, you Mm -hmm. know. And um, so things like reoccurring dreams, nightmares, um, avoiding going to hospitals, even avoidance around the birthday celebrations. you know, distort, distorted blame, um, a lot of hypervigilance around, you know, some of those uh, events can can be a sign of um, postpartum PTSD. Yeah. And so when we're talking about a traumatic event, it can be like, mom has this perfect birth plan, she's going in, she's going unmedicated, she's going to push twice and this baby's going to magically appear, there's no tearing, there's no bleeding, it's perfect, you know, but then she gets in there and she's been in labor for, you know, 12, 18 hours, the baby's not coming, she has to have an emergency cesarean, or she has, you know, a vaginal delivery and she has a tear, she has a fourth degree laceration, something goes wrong and, um, she's perceiving to the point where she may die. You know, they can't get her bleeding to stop. Babies rush to the NICU, but something goes wrong with the baby. They don't know if baby's gonna die. That's yeah. a very traumatic experience for that mother. Like Debbie said though, maybe the dad doesn't perceive it that way. The doctors are just doing their job. They're not paying attention to how, you know, they wanna save that baby. They wanna fix mom up down there and get her on her way. Yeah. Even our moms that have had miscarriages, or moms that might suffer a loss of a multiple, 
they can very easily suffer with this. They've lost a loved one. They've lost their baby. And sometimes we don't think about those moms because we, as a society, or you know, we see the, the children, but the moms that have lost and have suffered that are just as, as able to suffer from these disorders as moms with live births, live children. There's a, a lot there. I'm already thinking about people who are going to be listening to this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very eye-opening. I'm already having my eyes uh, very opened right now. Um, you, it is a lot. It yes, is a lot. It really yes. is. And so can you imagine being a mom who's never heard any of this? Mm -hmm. I knew nothing. And like Debbie mentioned in the very beginning, all I knew about postpartum depression, quote-unquote, was that it's the moms that drive off a bridge or, you know, mm -hmm. they strap the baby to themselves and they jump out of the building. So I always thought, I don't have that. That's not me. That's not at all me. But what we now know through education and all of that is that that is postpartum psychosis, which we haven't really touched on at all yet. But when we talk about, like, the, um, the baby, the mom having concerns about throwing that baby down the stairs, to a mom who has psychosis and she's having these thoughts, they are not irrational to her. They are not unwanted or scary. She may actually be getting relief from this. So she might be hearing someone say to her, you know, this is this baby is God, or this baby is mm. the devil, mm. or you have some kind of, you're a super being yourself. The only way to save this child is to take this child's life, is to take your life. But the clear distinction between those crazy unwanted thoughts and fearful thoughts are that for the general population, they're terrified. They are really scared. They become so hypervigilant that they pull back. They might take all the knives out of the house. They might avoid bath time with the baby or the stairs. But these other moms with the psychosis, they're very comforted by this, and they think it's the right thing to do. I think there's a lot of myths around yeah, I wanted you know, to talk to you about this. The, the myths in general seems like fighting myths is at least 50% yes, yes, of your job. so difficult. Yes, I think that's a, a really a big part of our it job. Is. Between that and, and getting people trained and, and getting yes. the word out there, getting people educated. You wouldn't believe how many moms actually go to their OB and the OB is like at six months, oh, this isn't postpartum depression. You're too far out. This is not what you're suffering with. So then the mom goes back home and she's confused yeah. because she knows she's still suffering. Maybe dad's there in the house and he knows something's wrong with his wife, but he doesn't himself know. Right. And so it just kind of perpetuates it with all of the lack of education out there, with the lack of um, even leaving the hospital. You know, they don't send you away with, hey, this is what you need to be aware of, mom and dad. This is what you should look out for. We did all the baby classes, we read all the baby books, watched all the baby shows, and never did they address. This is a very common thing that mamas can go through. Hey, dad, hey, partner, kind of be watching out for her. Look for this sign, look for that, and it may be uh, uh, where we need to get her in and just have her assessed and give her a little help along the way. Helping hand can go such a long way when you feel all alone. And through this interview, I've learned that there are few people 
more at risk of facing the psychological and physiological complications that are related to isolation and loneliness than parents, with a special emphasis on new moms. And with this, there's also lies, myths, half-truths peddled and pushed that would leave anyone in this position feeling lost, helpless, and alone. Please stay tuned for part two of this conversation where we begin to tackle a few of the biggest myths that need to be dismantled in this ongoing struggle. I'll see you then.